opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Communications, staff, management, or advertisers. Activist Radio is on the air. You have tuned in to the Mark Harrington Show, sponsored by Created Equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders to take on the culture of death and win. You don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. It does come out in one piece. It comes out in one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark. So they finally did it. That's right. They finally did it. After three months, the Democrats in the House of Representatives have voted to impeach Donald Trump, President Trump. They finally did it. They got the courage to, to, to impeach the president. And we're going to be talking about that today on the Mark Harrington Show. Your radio activist here in studio in the Claradia Equal Studios here in the Midwest. You know, I don't uh, I haven't really much commented on impeachment because that's what the country's all talking about. And you got lots of talking heads who make this their main thing. But today we're going to deal with it because this is historic. No doubt about it. The Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives voted to impeach Donald Trump only the third time in U.S. history that this has even happened. And so what I want to do on today's program is talk about impeachment, uh, give you a couple of insights, but also talk about what I really believe it's all about. And that is Roe v. Wade and the future of the Supreme Court of the United States. But let let me just share with you a couple of thoughts uh, from your radio activist on the impeachment issue. Now, if you've been following President Trump, uh, they brought two charges, two articles of impeachment. The first was abuse of power. The second was obstruction of, of justice. And what they're alleging is that uh, with the abuse of power is that President Trump used his power to to withhold uh, military aid from Ukraine in order to get an investigation of his so-called political rival, that is uh, Joe Biden. Now, wherever you land in all of this, it's not an abuse of power for the president of the United States to withhold aid in order to provide some kind of service or what have you for the U.S. government. I think more broadly, President Trump was simply trying to root out corruption in Ukraine, and he mentioned Joe Biden on the call. Now, you might say that that's inappropriate. I might agree with you, but it doesn't rise to the level of an impeachable offense at all. And the bottom line is that the aid was provided. In fact, President Trump, since he took office in 2016, has been giving military aid to Ukraine, something that his former, his predecessor, Barack Obama, did not. After the invasion of Ukraine by the Russians, Barack Obama didn't provide any military aid to Ukraine. President Trump did. He only suspended it temporarily in order to make sure that the Ukrainian government 
was going to use the funds appropriately in order to root out corruption. And he mentioned the Joe Biden situation and his son, Hunter Biden, in the phone call. And I say, you know, let's just say it's all true. Let's say that President Trump wanted to withhold aid in order to get a investigation into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. I say, so what? So what? Just because Joe Biden's running for president, does that mean he can never be investigated? Uh, it's sim- that didn't apply to President Trump. He's running for president in 2016. And guess what? The FBI, FBI launched a, a spy. In, a, 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 they spied on the Trump campaign. And then when he took office, they launched a bogus investigation of the guy. So just because you run for president or you are president or whatever, doesn't exempt you from investigation, especially if it's uh, there's reason to believe you're involved in corruption. So I say, so what? Abuse of power, I wouldn't consider it that, even if he did what they say he did. And then secondly, obstruction of justice. This is what you call a process crime. In other words, it has nothing to do with the original issue of Ukraine, not giving aid to Ukraine or what have you. All it has to do with is that the president refused to go along with this charade and exercised his executive privilege, that is, because he's a separate and co-equal branch of government. He refused to play along and uh, uh, give in to these subpoenas, right? And so that's his prerogative to do that. And typically those issues between the branches when it comes to subpoenas and other things are typically resolved by the courts, not by impeachment. So the Democrats, if they objected to the idea that that President Trump refused to, uh, you know, put people before the, the hearings and refused to give in to these subpoenas, that should have been resolved through the courts, not through impeachment. Uh, and, and by the way, this isn't obstruction of Congress. Why? Because it's only half of the Congress that he's supposedly obstructed. It's just the U.S. House of Representatives. And even that, it's only half of the U.S. House of Representatives because it's only the Democrats in a party line vote. So it's half of half of Congress that the president supposedly obstructed. It's not the full Congress does it doesn't include the Senate. So anyway, I think the president has the right of executive privilege. It is a separate but co-equal branch. He doesn't just have to bend the knee and succumb to another branch of government. That's something for the courts to resolve. But anyway, those are the two charges. And then we have this this idea that, uh, of course, these charges aren't they never charge him of any crime. They're not alleging any crime here. Uh, we are uh, rapidly devolving into what I consider a parliamentary system of government. This is what happens in the UK and other places when the majority party doesn't like the leader. In, in the case of the UK, it's the prime minister. What they do, they call a vote. They call it a non-confidence vote, uh, a vote of non-confidence in the prime minister. And they just call a vote and they vote for another prime minister and they replace him if they wish. And that's really what's happened here. They just don't like Trump. In fact, they hate the guy. It's all about that. Uh, that's, that's not how it works here. Impeachment is supposed to be for high crimes and misdemeanors. 
very rarely used, and it hasn't been used throughout history. Uh, we're not a parliamentary system. The president's not the prime minister. And therefore, if you just don't like the guy's policies or what he's trying to do, you don't have the right to impeach him. That's not what the founders had in mind. In fact, they warned against impeachment based on maladministration. In other words, uh, they just didn't like the way the guy that was running things. Uh, so unfortunately, impeachment is now changed forever. The bar has been lowered. You can impeach for any reason. Uh, that's what the U.S. House of Representatives, that's what the Democrats did. And unfortunately, I'm afraid that the, the uh, Republicans may resort to the same thing. And I say, well, you know, can you blame them? Maybe that's the only remedy is that the other side of the aisle does the same thing and says, you know, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, I guess, you know, and maybe that'll write things out. But uh, we are in a post-constitutional, post-America uh, era here uh, in the country. And then number three, it just seems completely ironic that the president of the United States, who was investigated uh, by the uh, special counsel, Robert Mueller, and that was launched by a bogus FISA application that allowed the FBI to spy on the Trump campaign, that all of that's been pushed under the rug, and it's Trump that's impeached, and nobody else is is getting their fair their due uh here uh the fbi lied to the fisa court to get this uh investigation or spying of the trump campaign based on a phony dossier presented to them by the opposition party the hillary clinton campaign and that it's trump that gets impeached i mean it's unbelievable there is no justice uh in america and and hopefully with the um with the report that'll be coming out soon, uh, the Durham report, maybe we'll we'll see some more on that. And then finally, I think after watching last uh, night that uh, Nancy Pelosi will not will not present these articles of impeachment to the U.S. Senate. I just don't think she's gonna. When asked last night if she was going to present them, she didn't give an answer. She said, well, we're going to have to wait and see what the rules are in the U.S. Senate as relates to the trial. In other words, she's saying, well, if it's unfair, we're not going to present them. And that's basically, I believe, what she's going to do. I don't believe there's ever going to be a trial in U.S. Senate. She's going to claim that it's an unfair process, that the Republicans are just going to let him off the hook. And therefore, we're never going to we're not going to present the articles of impeachment because uh, the, the the deck is the deck is is stacked, uh, and therefore they won't present them. Uh, it's funny again. You think about the process in the U.S. House of Representatives that was rigged too. The president didn't get to represent himself through his legal counsel. There were no Republicans didn't get to call any witnesses at all. But now it's in the Senate where the Republicans have control, and they're already crying foul that it's not going to be fair. And they're not, in my opinion, likely to even present the articles of impeachment because they don't want the president exonerated in the Senate. They want the impeachment in the House to stand only. They don't want an exoneration. They don't want the Republicans to present witnesses that will exonerate the president. And in my opinion, they're never going to they're never going to bring over the articles of impeachment anyway.
for what it's worth, that's my two cents on the impeachment process uh, and what happened here with the vote uh, in the U.S. House. Now, who are the winners and losers? Well, I think politically the Democrats are the losers. Uh, this could lead to the uh, reelection of President Trump. I think people are sick and tired of these endless investigations for over three years. Obviously, the Constitution of the United States is a loser. Now, impeachment is such a low bar. I mean, you're going to see it happening more and more. In fact, I would su I'd submit to you that they're not going to stop. If, the, if, if Trump gets reelected, they're going to keep investigating the guy and keep trying to impeach him, in my opinion. Uh, and then America. The bottom line is America is a loser here. Uh, we have damaged, they have damaged the country, maybe irreparably now. Uh, we don't follow the U.S. Constitution. Uh, we are just, uh, you know, going down to the bottom. And then finally, and this may be the only good thing, is that I think America, Americans are more aware of the deep state, the swamp that Trump is trying to drain. Uh, the winners, in my opinion, are the Republicans who are unified entirely behind the president and pro probably President Trump. Other, other than he's going to have an, uh, an asterisk next to his name uh, forever, uh, that he was impeached by the U.S. House. I think this helps him politically. It may lead to his, his reelection. I'm not going to go that far. I don't think that's necessarily the reason he'll get elected, although I do think he will. Now, what is this all about? I said three months ago that the impeachment process is all about one thing. It's all about Roe v. Wade. It's all about Roe v. Wade. It's all about the replacement of the, uh, the possibility of the replacement of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the U.S. Supreme Court. I said that three months ago. I'll say it again today. It's all about Roe. It's all about Roe. Uh, and why is that? Because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, is likely going to be retiring either this summer or the next. And the Democrats do not want Donald Trump to put up another justice to the U.S. Supreme Court. He's already gotten two on there. That would be three. And if he gets reelected, that could be four or five even. Who knows? And so I was really one of the only voices out there saying this is all about Roe v. Wade until just recently. Where Mark Levin, radio talk show Mark Levin, very popular radio talk show host who I listen to regularly, who I think has been spot on on this impeachment issue, uh, just the other day mentioned that he now, because of his uh, interaction, his conversation with his neighbor, <laughs> interesting enough, believes that there may be something to this that it has to do with the future of the U.S. Supreme Court. And so what I'd like to do, I'm going to play a clip. This is an audio clip from the Mark Levin show uh, a couple of days ago where he talks about the, the U.S. Supreme Court being the reason why the House of Representatives, Democrats specifically, half of the half of the Congress decided to impeach the president. Go ahead and play that clip. president has less than 11 months to go. Ruth Bader Ginsburg appears to be very ill. He's not wishing anything terrible. He's just saying what he, what he sees. And there's no question she is and has been. And should she have to leave the bench by hook or by crook, they want to be able to say, not only will we not allow this president to replace her, or for that matter, any Supreme Court justice, in the remaining whatever number of months of his presidency, 
but we will never allow an impeached president to appoint anybody else to the Supreme Court. Whether I mean that that's, he that, wins that's re- basically it. This is Mark Levin the other night, basically coming around to the position that I have held for three months since the impeachment process began, and that is this has everything to do with Roe versus Wade. Now, keep in mind the Democrats hate President Trump for a lot of other reasons. Uh, one of the main ones is, is he's a threat to them. He's a threat to the to the swamp, to the deep state. Um, and therefore, they want him out. But if you think about the U.S. Supreme Court and the types of cases that will come before it, most notably, possibly an abortion case that if there was a majority of justices that believed Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided, might uh, decide to overturn Roe v. Wade and turn it back to the state legislatures. I think that has, I mean, think about it. Abortion is a sacrament for the Democrats. It's everything. Legal abortion is absolutely everything to them. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch the hearings with Brett Kavanaugh. It's all about that. And if there and when there is an opening on the U.S. Supreme Court, it's all going to be about Roe v. Wade. It has been for decades, but even more so today. So they don't want... Ruth Bader Ginsburg's replacement to be filled by President Trump, period. Whether it happens next summer or if he gets reelected in the next four years, if he gets reelected. Now, people say, well, we have the numbers. We have the numbers now. We do. Uh, The Republicans have, I think, a 53 uh, member majority in the U.S. Senate. Yeah, they can they can get through a U.S. Supreme Court justice right now. But that could all change in 2020, November, if and when possibly the Democrats either take control of the U.S. Senate or they bring that number down to 50, 50, 50, 51, 49. All you need is one or two defections. Uh, and, you, you know, uh, President Trump's not going to get a, a nominee on the court at all. Uh, they won't let him. They'll just say that an impeached president shouldn't be allowed, permitted to fulfill or fill a spot in the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean, they're already kind of saying that, that uh, we can't have a president that's been impeached running for a second term because we can't trust him. Uh, You know, and that's been the argument that he's a threat to national security. Uh, It's interesting. They say he's a threat to national security, but it sounds like they're going to slow walk the articles over to the U.S. Senate or not present them at all. If he's such a threat to the U.S., to national security and our democracy, then they ought to be rushing those articles over the Senate right away and and be asking for a trial immediately. But I doubt they're going to do that because this isn't about that. It's not about removing Trump because they know they can't. It's about damaging him enough that they, he will not be able to put another justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. So let's talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as we all know, her health has been failing, unfortunately. I mean, obviously, we're not wishing for her health to, to, to get worse. But the fact of the matter is uh, she's not long for the U.S. Supreme Court, probably. I doubt she's going to retire this summer. I think she'll hold on until the election. 
But it's just a matter of time before she retires from the court. And she has been, if not the, she's probably the most ardent pro-abortion Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. She's been reliably pro-abortion on the U.S. Supreme Court. And recently she gave a, a just, just recently she gave a, an interview to the BBC. And the question of abortion was brought up by the person who interviewed her. And what I'd like to do, I want to play a clip from that and then respond to it. Uh, because this is really at the heart of impeachment. That is the person of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the likelihood of her uh, retirement from the U.S. Supreme Court. And the, and the Democrats just don't want that to happen. And they're going to do everything in their power to stop it from happening. And I think that's what impeachment is all about. So go ahead and play this clip again. This is Ruth Bader Ginsburg being interviewed by the BBC. I wonder if you would if you would accept that there are laws that were passed that are under threat now. When 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 you look at the the specifics of states in in the south of this country, that that fair fair access to abortion is under threat. Do you think that women need to be, or society as a whole, not just women, needs to be ever more vigilant? I think, I think society needs to be more active on this issue. I mean, the truth is that with all these restrictive laws, the only people who are being restricted are poor women. Go ahead and stop there it there. There are some states. She says, now everybody claps, you know, the clapping seals for her. Um, these restrictive laws, she's referring to heartbeat bills, abortion bans, uh, the uh, transfer agreements, and so forth that have uh, been passed and upheld, uh, some anyway, and uh, are in effect, and that this is having an impact on the so-called right to abortion. Uh, and she says it's really just affecting poor women, poor women. And, um, you know, seriously, is it really about money? You know, when a woman thinks about having an abortion, is she just thinking, oh, you know, I, I, I need to kill this baby because I don't have enough money? Now, it may have something to do with that, but we live in a welfare state where women are able to get all kinds of assistance. I really don't think this is about money, but even if it were, think about it. She is assuming with this argument that the preborn are not human. Right. Which is the crux of the argument that they have. They'll say that the unborn are human because if they are human, then no one has a right to kill another person because they lack the financial means to take care of them. We wouldn't make that excuse for a born person. Why would we make it for an unborn person? We only make it if we don't believe that they're human. So the whole argument goes back to are the preborn human or not? And if they are, then money has nothing to do with it. Nothing whatsoever. It's just an excuse. It's just an excuse. Go ahead and continue on with the clip. No, I think, I think. You say that because if you have money, you can travel to a state where you would be able to. Yes. Yes, it's a little like divorce was in the old days, when if you yeah, had divorces. the money to go to Nevada and stay there for six weeks, you could get... A divorce. 
No, she's no, talking about no fault divorce. Are we going to end it there? She's talking about no fault divorce, which, by the way, has that been a good thing? Like, that's progress, you know, that we have no fault divorce now. And that's a progress. It used to be people would have to go to another state to get divorced because their state didn't allow it. And she's making the analogy to abortion, saying one state might outlaw it. Women will go to another state where it's legal to have their abortions if they have the money to do so. And I say once again, uh, if abortion kills a preborn baby, then in its human, then who cares if somebody has to travel to another state to do it? We would not make the same argument for born people, would we? Uh, if, if we outlaw murder in one state and we don't have it outlawed in another state, and we say, oh, people will have to travel there to kill their, you know, born person, to kill a born person. We'd never say that's an argument for keeping it legal in the other state. It makes no sense whatsoever. Folks, this is all about Roe versus Wade. The impeachment's all about Roe versus Wade, trying to cripple Donald Trump so that he cannot replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the US, U.S. Supreme Court. Keep that in mind as this process goes forward and possibly ends up in the U.S. Senate. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808, 614-269-7808, or go online to createdequal.net, createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.